You're listening to The Ladies Room. I am Iris St. Moran. And I'm Jennifer Sanders. So by day, we're television news anchors at competing stations in New York. But in real life, we are the best of friends. Okay, so tell our listeners why we decided on The Ladies Room. You know, it's that place where you get yourself together, maybe fix your hair and makeup, tell a secret. Ladies know what I mean. Girl, you know I know what you mean. So you'll get to hear from some phenomenal ladies who are doing phenomenal things across the world. And our goal is to provide inspiration and information. We're on air in the ladies' room. We are in the ladies' room with Miss Valicia LePay. Welcome. We don't have sound effects. (laughs) (laughs) Never get applause. Yes. Broadway superstar. Thank you. Um, Emmy and Tony nominated. Well, I'm, that Emmy is a future thing, but yes. it's Grammy. Grammy, I'm sorry. Uh, no, 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 I received that. <laughs> yes, right. yes. No, 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 no. That take, no. That, that's Jesus speaking through you. Yes, yes. So amen for that. Um, but I received that, yes. Yes, amazing. Just amazing person. So I... Um, we didn't really have a chance to talk, but you were the keynote speaker at the Hope for Heather, mm-hmm. which is uh, ovarian awareness. People in Syracuse uh, know about that. But you have just are doing amazing things, and you're sharing your story. So uh, I guess we'll go backwards. I guess, how did you like get into music and singing and... Well, I think for, you know, a lot of, just like a lot of Southern African Americans, we all sort of start in the church. Yeah. Um, and for me, that was my safe haven. And, and honestly, I don't, obviously I have influences growing up, but it really did start for me in the church. There was this really wonderful woman who kept my brother and I when I, we were children. Um, and she took me to her church with her, and we were like peas in the pot. She was probably 80. I was probably five, six, seven. Um, but I went to her church. It was a Kojic church, and if you're from the South, you know Church of Garden Christ. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was allowed to sing in the Sunshine Band and, you know, any Easter speeches, Jesus Lives, that was mine. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes. So I just really became involved with that church, and that church was Greater Community Temple. So through her, I really got to sort of blossom. And then, you know, as I went to elementary school, I had a wonderful music teacher, Miss Allen, um, in my elementary school, and she encouraged us to, you know, play instruments and sing. And so that was back when music was really in the school. And so that also sort of lay the foundation of like what I wanted to do and discovering this voice that I had. I mean, my mom did not realize that I could sing until the sixth grade wow. because I don't think I don't, I don't think I was doing it around the house so much. But I was in church, and my mom allowed me to go to, 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 she wasn't a nanny, she was more than that. She was like a grand nanny. (laughs) Um, But she allowed me to go to church with her, so she went to a different church. And so since I was doing it there, and my mom came to this program when I was in sixth grade, and she heard me sing one of Tevin Campbell's songs, Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, and then Mm -hmm. We Are the World. She she just was floored, because she said, I didn't know this little girl with the big voice, like I didn't realize that. So really just started with me from my formative years, like, you know, elementary school, church, that's really the place where I got to sort of like, oh, I want to do this. Really? Yeah, and did inspired you, me. And you know, when we're young kids, we think, oh, I want to be maybe a doctor or a lawyer. Did you always from the jump know, I want to go to Broadway or I want to be this amazing singer and actress? What did you think that you were I doing? did not know, oh. you know, honestly, I didn't know much about Broadway um, as a little girl. You know, for me, singing was a passion, and I, I knew it was a gift that God had given me. And um, 
It was just something I was doing in church. And it was something that always gave me an avenue, one, to perform, but also to celebrate the gift that God had given me. So literally, I mean, my family is a, a group of hairstylists, so I would sing at their hair shows. I would sing at funerals, at church. And then, you know, the older I got at school, um, in, in, you know, small group, choirs at school, the local theme park. So it just became one thing after another. So I really didn't know specifically about Broadway, but having an influence of like a young Whitney Houston, you know, as I was growing up, that, that made me want to be a recording artist. So by the time I graduated college, I started to hear about little Broadway things like Aida was big when I was in college. And so, oh my God, and all that cast mostly and, and, and all these things. And so I think I wanted to go to New York and become Whitney Franklin, you know, Valicia LeKay, <laughs> uh, superstar. <laughs> Um, but it just it got it became different for me um, the longer I was in the business and the people that I met around me sort of influenced for me to get into theater. I, well, I want to go back to your um, singing at church. Did you have? Oh, it's a simple question. Did you have a, like a go-to song or your favorite church song? Um, you know, it's so interesting when you're little. I think we all have that this little light of mind yeah. moment, which is one of the songs that was done today at the royal wedding. <laughs> Um, so live on that. So obviously this little light of mine and, um, in the bigger choir, um, you know, his eyes on the sparrow is one of those things. Um, uh, Shirley, Shirley Caesar, Caesar, um, was a big, big gospel singer growing up. You know, Southern people knew about her heavily. Everybody knew about her. I loved her influences. Um, the Potter's House, like so many different things that were uh, very influential to me growing up as, as a singer. But, you know, as a child, I, I don't know if I, I think my first like big bus out solo wasn't necessarily in church, but was, I, I'd sung the Cindy Lauper part in We Are the World. Oh. You know, like she's got this big voice. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, years later, I would end up working with her, but that was sort of that moment that I was like, oh my God, I got this. Um, and it really changed the game for me. Definitely. Now talk about your path and your journey to how you got to Broadway and how you got to work with amazing, phenomenal people, you know, that we see on our, our television screens, mm -hmm. our movie screens, and you graduated from college, and did the world just kind of, your eyes were open? I, you know, I think, I, you know, when you're young, you're, you're fearless, you know, you're, you think you're going to be everything and more, and, and, and I did as a child, you know, I just kept doing it, every, every avenue, every opportunity, you know, in high school, um, I was able to, I, I, I didn't necessarily think I was be, I would be going to school for music, and I did not, um, I, you know, I went to a college preparatory school for medical uh, and engineering, and so, because of my grandmother being in my life, I needed to have a real job. And so that was sort of the foundation of everything. But music always lived in me. And so through that thread of church and high school and being able to perform at the local theme park, winning some of the competitions in the Mid-South Fair in Memphis, and then taking that to college, and then not actually getting into the choir in college, mm. And that spun off to me needing to perform, so I ended up being a mascot for the first two years. And when I didn't get that, I went to Dollywood um, in, in ten Upper Tennessee and auditioned there and performed there. So I think every opportunity sort of opened my eyes to the greater possibilities of like what life had to offer me. 
and people were so receptive of my ability to sing and, and the more than anything the want mm. to, to do it, the eagerness to, you know, sort of get that gift out there. So by the time that I graduated college, I had bedazzled NYC on my hat. I still have that hat, by the way. Um, I bedazzled NYC, and I just knew I was going there. And and luckily, by the end of that year, I had saw an ad for the USO, and they were auditioning five women to sort of be uh, like the top five, and then they were going to pick three to be in the USO troupe. So that audition first got me there. And um, she picked three of us. And when, once I was picked, um, I didn't have a place to live in New York City. I had $200. I'm literally that girl wow. who had $200 in her pocket and no place to live. And luckily, one of the young women who was in the troupe with me, uh, Betsy, uh, Betsy McKibben uh, at the time, she said, well, why don't you just stay with me? You know, I have, she said, I have a one-bedroom apartment. It's pretty big. It's in Astoria. And you can sleep on the couch, which was, would be my space. And, you know, you know, I'll have the bedroom. And we'll just split the rent. And it just sort of took off from there. And those two women, Betsy and Lori, who were a part of the USO Troop of America at the time, they were theater geeks. They, they graduated from theater schools. They knew everything about theater. And the USO just allowed us all an opportunity to sing. So it was really those two women who pushed me into theater only because one of them had an audition one day and she couldn't go. And Lori, who is a Jewish uh, American girl who sort of looks Latina at <laughs> times, she couldn't go to her audition. And so she said, well, they're looking for ethnic women. So why don't you go? And, and I went. And I didn't get the part, but the people in the room were, were people who were seasoned in the theater. Mm -hmm. Nona Gay was in the room. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know who she was. I mean, I, I knew, like, the La, 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 La Bells. Yeah. Nona Gay was in the room. Charles Randolph Wright was in the room. Danny Kosterinen was in the room. And Danny had been working, I think, with... I think each of them had been working at some point with either Richard Malpe, who was huge in theater. Mm -hmm. And that was literally my start. So that didn't... I didn't get that job, but one person called someone else and said, hey, we met this girl. And it was just one audition after another and one opportunity after another. And thankfully, because of those two women who sort of helped me along my career, who gave me a chance, who one day one said, I don't feel like going to my audition. Mm. Why don't you go? And that same person who was in the room, Charles Randolph Wright, ended up, I ended up seeing him 10 years later, having him direct me at, as Dinah Ross in Motown the Musical. Wow. I mean, it's just a full circle yeah. moment. And you know that's a gift. That's God. You yeah. know, that's God. Like, I took a chance on saying, I didn't think, oh, well, I don't, I don't know anything about theater. I just went and I... I went to that audition and sang a Whitney Houston song. <laughs> oh my goodness. So and that, played. Yeah, well she did. Um, <laughs> but no, but that's how that's how that sort of happened for me. It's by by chance. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Now I know you've done obviously tons of shows. Uh, which one would you say that was just the most intense in terms of preparation and really pouring your heart into to that role? Well, I, I like to think that every role that I had the opportunity to play, like my heart was left on the table mm -hmm. at all times. Um, obviously, the first Broadway show I did was Three Penny Opera, and um, I, it was a revival. 
And it was with Cindy Lauper, Alan Cumming, Nellie McKay, Anna Gosteyer, uh, Jim Dale, who is a god in his own right. Mm -hmm. um, and just some of the most seasoned um, performers, as well as some of the downtown performers, Flo, Tilla DeBarge, I mean, that are icons in New York City. And so I was the swing, which for the swing, you have to learn every part. And every ensemble part, mostly, unless you're sp picked specifically to cover a principal part. And I was also the dance captain. So I think that release, having to be that well-organized and that focused to be able to be the dance captain, to honor that talent, but also to honor, you know, that you're going to be working with some high-level stars and, you know, to respect what they have and also just be able to feel comfortable saying, hey, you know, this was wrong, that was wrong, da 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 But it really set the foundation because, it, I mean, it was 26 roles, I think, that you had to know. You had to know the principal roles and the ensemble roles. You could step at any role at any time, and that's what a swing does. And um, it sort of set the foundation for me to, to, to say, okay, you're going to have to be that focus. You didn't go to school for, I didn't go to school for music. Um, I didn't go to school for theater. I, you know, I, I was learning as I was going. And so that was sort of like first year in theater school for me. And we also performed at the Tonys that year. Mm -hmm. And to be able to assist in staging the performance for the Tony, it, it was a really amazing thing. So that, that really showed me how much I needed to work but how hard I could work. And then obviously, you know, anytime you're playing a principal role in a Broadway show, it's not an easy task. Um, it's love is what carries you through it. I mean, because you're working a lot. You know, it, I like to think that regardless of what I did on stage and how many people love that in the audience, the real work is when you walk off the stage. Mm. How well were you a leader? Did you love? Did you honor your castmates? Did you respect them? Um, did you appreciate them? Oh. And I, I would hope, you know, every I've done five Broadway shows. I would hope that that's what people walked away with who know me, is that um, I was kind. Um, and that's the work. I mean, yeah. let's be real here. That's the real work. So it, it really... It really, um, I think that was something that I carried on through each show, and I, I'm grateful that I was put in a position to play a principal role and, and have the energy to do that. And so um, each of them have great significance of the level of energy and work you have to do. But the first and, and the last one really had a major impact on me. It was during your role as Diana Ross, right? When mm -hmm. you learned yes. in 2013, yes. December. Can you just talk a little bit about your... Yeah, your so um, uh, it had, you know, obviously playing Diana was amazing. Um, humbling and amazing. And being able to do it in a, with Barry Gordy the founder of Motown. I don't know how many times will you get to do that. Blown away. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, icon after icon walked through the door. And so um, it had been a whirlwind year. I, I'm grateful to God that, I, you know, I was recognized in the theater community for the work that I had done and, the, and the, within the show and the scope of the evolution of who she was on stage. And so a lot had been going on that year. And I just remember... I had my, I, I'm very adamant about like having my lady checkup. Mm -hmm. um, and so I remember going that year and having it and the doctor saying to me, oh, uh, you know, you have an ovarian cyst. And so it tripled 
within a year's time. And, you know, I can look back on that and talk about what that meant. But um, so he said, oh, you'll, you'll need to have it out. And so, you know, I just thought, okay, simple procedure, which it was. Simple procedure. He said, oh, it's done liposcopically. Um, you, you'll go in, you'll recover, you can go back to your show, whatever else. And so I thought that was the case. And he, he also told me that the chances of you know, them being cancerous is like 5%. So it's like, mm. no, it's not going to happen. So, you know, I'm young. I'm in the midst of life. And so I thought, okay, I'll have this done and I'll, I'll go back to work. And I just remember that the, in the midst of the recovery process from that first surgery, it was not easy. It was not comfortable. I felt, oh, oh God, I could barely stand up. Mm. And I spoke about this at the Hope for Heather event. I could barely stand and I could barely walk and I could barely tend to myself. And so I felt all sorts of ways. You know, us in the public life, when you have to show up yes. a certain way. And so, like, yes. the, the moment I couldn't comb my hair, I was like, what is happening? Um, and so... I just realized it was just a lot trying to recover from that first surgery, maybe because my body hadn't gone through anything like that. And then I remember the first day I finally felt alive and I could stand up straight and I could sleep in my bed for the first time in two weeks. And I felt a jolt of happiness that day. And then I got a phone call just saying from the doctor that, you know, your, your pathology report came back positive for clear cell carcinoma. I did not understand that terminolo terminology at all because I'm used to hearing cancer and yeah. not carcinoma. Right. Um, and I just remember, you know, saying, can you explain? And he did tell me that I had ovarian cancer. And so I think I just kept moving, you know, from that moment. I, you get the news, you go. And for a lot of times, uh, African American women, we are we are about our business. Yeah. Um, we don't have time to. We don't have time. Mm -hmm. Period. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> period. Um, but it was just like you got to go. And so I just felt this jolt in my body, and I looked over to my partner, who's my husband now, and I said, "I have ovarian cancer." And it was just one thing after another, calling people, trying, getting a second opinion, trying to get with the doctors. I'm in the middle of possibly going back to the show and calling my agents and calling the producers and calling the director and, you know, like, and I wasn't going to be quiet about it. So it was like, I'm going to tell somebody, call, you know, call the, call the media, call whoever would let me, you know, the press release came out through my job and in different things and through, through my agent. But, you know, once that sort of was out there, I did not want to be quiet about it. You know, I was faced with a disease that may be common to Caucasian women of an older, older age. But being in early 30s at the time, an African-American, every time that I would look for something online about ovarian cancer, I just was not seeing anyone who looked like me. Mm. And I think that in itself was just, it put a, lit a fire under my, under, in my belly, basically. Mm. This cannot be the case for the next young African-American girl or a woman of color, that she will not be able to relate to someone who's going through her, her the same issue as she is. And so that is what gave me the impetus to become so outspoken about it. Um, and that has also led to so many other blessings as well. And you said, which is very important, to get that yearly checkup. Were there any symptoms no. before? No. Huh. That's the thing. I mean, ovarian cancer is one of, it's one of those diseases um, that there are no symptoms. And they're so similar to what we as women go through on a monthly mm. basis. So, you know, um, if you're, you know... Can we say menstruating? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Girl, okay. Is, yeah. okay. We're in the ladies' room. We, we can. Yeah. This is what this is about. This is, yes. what, this is what this is about. Um, so you know, monthly menstrual period. You know, you have cramps. You have all of those things. My menstrual 
period was not abnormal anyway. I didn't have any pain, didn't have anything that was abnormal. I was doing eight shows a week, and so physically my body was doing everything that it normally does. So there were no symptoms. If it had not been for that cyst growing mm -hmm. and tripling in size, I honestly wouldn't have known. Wow. You know, I, I'm grateful that um, I grew up, you know, seeing my mom, you know, take care of doctor's appointments very seriously. And so, like, you know, when you get good insurance, you're like, I'm going to get checkups. Mm -hmm. and, and thank God that I had a relationship at the time with, you know, my gynecologist. I had years of seeing him. And so, um, you know, him telling me that, uh, it really changed the game for me. And, uh, you know, thank God. I thank God. Seriously, I thank God for that cyst growing. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise it could have just, it could have burst at any moment. And the cancer could have been more progressive, uh, aggressive uh, than it was. Mm -hmm. And you said it opened the door to other opportunities. You have been very vocal, like you yeah. said, about what you went through your experience. And I think for us as ladies, that helps us. Yeah. Especially women of color, because sometimes we aren't as on top of our medical procedures as yeah. we should be. And so just sharing your story, obviously you're changing lives, but you said it led to certain other opportunities. Yeah, and I don't want people to get misconstrued by the word opportunity. It, it Because I said that earlier, but it led to other opportunities to serve, to serve others to serve the gift that God really gave me which is I would hope to inspire to love to spread that and so I saw it as a way to share what I was going through right in the midst of everything I mean I it literally got diagnosed with cancer and nominated for a Grammy you know within I guess a week's time span so you know like so the platform had God has already given us a platform, let's be serious. But, it, you know, because I was doing the show, it was there was a greater spotlight there mm -hmm. at the time. And so I thought, you know, if my name is out there in any kind of way at this moment tied to such greatness, that it was my honor, um, it was my calling to be of service, to just say, I'm going to do this, God, and I'm going to trust you that you're going to open the door so that more people will be able to hear about this particular cancer, which was not, you know, it's not pink, <laughs> you know, it's mm -hmm. teal. Mm -hmm. So it's not, mm -hmm. it's not very popular. It's yeah. not out there. And there are not a lot of races within, you know, outside of the community that are ran for us. And um, I feel like God really gave me an opportunity to serve during that time. Mm -hmm. What is that experience like? Just kind of, I mean, you bear your soul on stage, yeah. but having to, you know, share and, you know, just be more open you know, with your, your, your personal, personal life. Yeah. Yeah. That? You know, in my truest of beings, I, I know people say this all the time and you're like, Oh, it's a cliche, but I, I'm very introverted mm -hmm. and I do live a very quiet life. Um, but it, you know, it was another role and I don't mean ro like, Oh, she's being someone else. No, it was an, another task upon me, you know, that I needed to share. Um, I didn't know why else God had, you know, that I was enduring this journey. And so, yeah, I do, you know, on this stage, I'm portraying someone and it's, it's a little bit easier because you don't get, you're not seeing me, Valicia Lequet, you're yeah. seeing the character that I play. But it, it sort of was a natural progression for me because it's, I think public speaking, encouraging, inspiring, it's just something that I've always wanted to do, even as a child. And sometimes we get those opportunities to go back to who the real foundation of who we are. And I believe that that was just another way of God saying, 
you can continue that. You know, if you're born to spread love and give love, just because you go from one show to the next doesn't mean you're not doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. It was one um, area of opportunity to the next. And so I felt like I couldn't shut down. And by talking about it really was healing. And and I got to see so many other women go through it and hear, read so many letters and Facebook messages and texts and all of these things about women who were enduring, but not not just enduring, thriving through this disease, surviving, living a full life and becoming advocates. And I and I wanted to be a part of that race. I didn't want to shut down. And it really I think it really help with my healing and, and I am so grateful that I chose that route definitely and so your your journey to uh, being a survivor mm -hmm. did the treatments how did that work in terms of with your job and yeah it seems like you didn't stop you did I, not let this stop I you. did not stop sort of publicly and in, in the speaking um, because once I decided to say you know say that I was uh, tell everyone that I had ovarian cancer uh, people came to me and wanted to help me and I and I thought oh my god you know you're so kind and there were organizations who was who wanted to hear my voice I obviously couldn't do the show the, the show is rig the show is rigorous I mean you know 20 some odd costume changes 10 plus week changes hair you know all of those things I couldn't do that but I did have a job to do um, and so by me being public and people reaching out it did give me a, a platform to just go to different places to speak and and it did it didn't stop um, you know there were times when I would literally schedule the chemotherapy around where I was going to be going because technically you know you don't want to fly right after and so I would I would really work with my doctor Dr. Fishman and say okay you know this week we're I'm going out to LA and the Grammy I didn't want to miss the Grammys you know first time being nominated for theater uh, album and I wanted to have that moment yeah. um, and and I said to him well it's you know like the last week of July and I know I have this scheduled can we do it this week you know and then I have that week to so you can monitor me and then I'll go out to LA and then I, and I had I like think some doctors on hand that you know if, if anything were to happen like I could reach out to and I did get sick I got a 102 fever the night after the Grammys oh but I think goodness. that was because I was partying too yeah. hard I mean if you gotta go like let's be yes, real here you, you, you gotta live and I was planning to live yes. um, and so I did and it gave me a fever um, and so I got sick and I remember having to go to the doctor and, and literally being sick that day and I was to tape the show the doctors the same week so things had to you know sort of switch around but it just created such a movement of you know being being sick and so I, I just really had to shut that whole like oh you can't be this hermit which you want to be but you you can't do that I mean this is a time when you should speak up and and not being able to do that really created just a whole sense of healing and and so many friendships mm -hmm. with different organizations but also women and 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 they and they told me you know they said you're going to go through this you're going to go through that and 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 I'm grateful that I got to meet those women because I re I would remember oh it's I'm going to possibly go to partial men menopause which mm -hmm. I did and the women would tell me about different little tactics, you know, when you're going through something like that. So it was great because I had friends to carry me through the journey, um, which was a blessing in itself. Mm -hmm. And you speaking up is saving lives. So thank you for speaking thank up. You. Thank and you. And someone for, did it yeah. for me, you yeah. know, like there were the DM Brown, who, who has since passed away. 
she was a young woman with ovarian cancer. It, it came back 10 years later, and I, I met her at an NOCC, which is a National Ovarian Cancer Coalition event. And um, her passing really took a toll on me, but I also remember meeting her, you know, and I thought, okay, she's my age, and she's living, thriving, she's traveling around the world. She created Medgift, mm -hmm. which is a big platform and, and, and a part of her legacy now. So I'm grateful that those women taught me so much of how to, in, how to really handle this all with grace. Women's empowerment. Right? <laughs> and that's why you are our Lady of the Week. Yes. Oh, you are our Lady of the Week. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I'll say this. When Iris uh, came back from the event that you were at, she was just like, we have got to get her. So shout out to Fire Jadrin. That's one yes. of my coworkers. And she kind of, you know, linked and hooked everyone up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she just said, your story was inspirational. And listening to you now, it really, really is. And making me want to, you know, just be more on top of my, yeah, yeah. medical procedures. We all, we all need that. You know, we as women, and I'm going to go back up to the African-American, we do a lot. Yes. You know, a lot of times we are serving in many ways as mothers and sisters and aunts and um, caregivers of, of all spectrums. And, you know, a lot of times we tend to forget about ourselves because we're busy. But I would encourage every woman to, to know that if you are not healthy, if you are not your best, you can't be your best for mm -hmm. anyone else. Yeah. So let's show up our best, you know, in, in all ways of our areas of life. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I would encourage for, for women. Definitely. I wanted to ask, um, just because we, we never know who's going to be listening, um, going back to your career, what, what advice would you have for mm -hmm. um, maybe a young actress or someone who wants to get on Broadway, maybe not sure, you know, how to get their foot in the door. Yeah. I guess what advice for a, a, someone aspiring to be, yeah. uh, have the career that you have? Well, luckily for the youngins of today, they have a totally different way of doing things and they have all these social media mm. platforms that I did not have growing up. I mean, I sound so old saying that. <laughs> but, you know, back in my day, um, we had Star Search. Star Search. Oh, I don't yes. know our favorite yes. show. It was the Four thing. Stars. And so, like, that's what you wanted to get on. You know, Beyonce and Destiny yes. Child, I think, were on Star Search. You Girl want to get on Destiny, you know, you wanted to be on Star Search. And so, like, you know, nowadays, um, with all these forms of social media, if you have a love, I think it really, really comes down to is the love for something and if you are a singer and you didn't go to school for it and you don't have a coach but you have a natural born love to sing and to spread love and give love that way I would say pursue it and you know because you can put yourself on YouTube now you can post yourself on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and the snaps and all of these things and you know there are so many ways of getting out there but regardless of the avenue if you nourish the gift that you have been given, there's, you may take the expressway, you may take the scenic route, but God is going to get you there. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what's really, really important. And my, my way to Broadway was not traditional. Um, like I said, I did not make the choir in my college. You know, they like to claim me no, now. I but, know, exactly. Um, <laughs> UT, I hope you're listening. UT Knoxville. But, um, but I, it wasn't a traditional route. You know, I didn't go to school for theater. I, I got my degree in psychology. Um, shout out to the psychology department at UTK. Um, but, um, but I got it in psychology. And so, you know, but I did love singing. I really loved singing. And I loved the way it made people feel. And I loved that it could bring joy to someone's heart. And, and you know, just 
a spirit of laughter and love. And I loved all those things about it. And so I think that is what got me to where I, where I am today. The, the love for the gift that I had been given. And so, and now, so like the extension of that is now, if you have that love, put it out there. Spread love, give love, however you need to do it. You know, I see people singing on the subway, on the street corner, everywhere. And I don't think it's, you know, necessarily that it could be because they want to be famous, but it also because they, they have so much love for it that they have to get it out. Yeah. And if that is you, regardless if it's singing, acting, dancing, you know, computer graphics, I don't care what it is, put it out there. Um, volunteer for things where you can sing. Volunteer at a, a senior citizen's home or, you know, at a church, wherever else that you can use that gift, get it out there. Because the more you get it out there, the more the universe will bring blessings to you. And that's for sure. And I know that's, that's something guaranteed from my journey. Definitely. And as we're wrapping up, I do have, so I'm feeling a lot of passion for me, which I absolutely love. And so passion and purpose, when those mm. meet, I think just amazing things happen. People don't know kind of what it takes though behind the scenes for yeah. you. I mean, you are hustling. They see the, the beautiful wigs, yeah. the, the costumes, but how much work goes into preparing for a Broadway show? What's kind of the day-to-day -day like? Yeah, the day-to-day, -day, I mean, I think Helen Mirren said it best. You know, she's like, she said, when you're on Broadway, you live like a nun. Mm. You know, I mean, it's it's a rigorous schedule. And, sh and shout out to all my Broadway queens and kings and ensemble members and principals because it's not easy. Um, love is what carries you through. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just on a typical day, you know, a lot of people would say everything you do that day sets you up for that night. And for me, you know, I, I live in a daily practice where I get up and, and, and really meditate, I, even if I don't have anything to do that day. Just sort of set the foundation of who I am going to be that day going out of my house, you know, because you never know what you have to deal with. And you always want to present it with peace, love, and some sort of graciousness. And so I always just say, start your day off with showing love, peace, and gratitude to you and the earth and, and God. And, and or whoever you celebrate, you know, just honor that moment. Honor yourself in that moment. Start the day off with that. Because you'll be faced with so many different things. So that that's one of the things that was very important for me in, in my practice, even today. Um, and then exercise. I didn't do it as much then, but, you know, some sort of physical exercise, whether it's running and, and now being a cancer survivor, I really, you know, it encouraged myself to stay healthy in that way. But exercise, you know, getting your body moving, whether it's yoga or whatever that is, that's a great practice for you because it's honoring your body at this point. It's its moment. You're saying, I love you enough to care for you, to move, to, to even if it's just dancing for 30 minutes, you know, to, to a song. Yeah. Um, and then another thing is, you know, eat what you love because you know I, I love good food so I'm mm -hmm. like eat what you know nourish yourself drink plenty of water um, and for singers obviously vocal, vocalize you know there's a discipline there that you know having to vocalize every day having to stretch every day those are things that carry us through the Broadway show because you're doing it eight times a week and for you know two and a half hours sometimes if you're in Hamilton it's nearly three mm -hmm. so it's 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 an it's a you know it's not easy but love will carry you through, and if you continue to work at your craft, and if you continue to be disciplined, those things will help you in the long run. Because, like I said, it is a regimen that you have to build, and, um, and I, it, those are things that will save your life, for sure, and, and, and when you're doing Broadway shows, for sure. Yeah, yeah. What advice would you give a young Valicia? Wow, you know, it's such an interesting question, because I think sometimes our younger self really set up the foundation of who we are, mm -hmm. particularly like five, six, seven. 
And what I would just say to a young Valicia, who I think probably knows this, is to um, trust, love, and never and, and not fear. Mm. Um, you know, I, trust God, love what you do, love the gift that He's given you, and don't and never fear because God is always with you. And when, whenever he's with you, which is always, he's going to get you exactly where you need to go. And I think even, I think old Valicia, well, I'm not that old. No. Not, <laughs> Hollywood, I'm not that old. Um, I think as a young child, that is something I can remind Valicia mm. now yeah. and, and vice versa. So love, trust, and never fear. Wow. Yeah. And y'all y'all aren't sitting here with her, but she looks about 19, <laughs> Hollywood, 19. <laughs> giving you 19. The skin is skin just so clear. Yeah, thank like, you. We need that. You said drinking a lot of water, though. Drink, drink, I did become, I mean, I don't, th- I don't know if this is like a thing. I did become vegan like last July. Okay. But I think, I think you know what it is. Like, loving, like cooking for you, yeah. loving you enough to say, I'm going to have this good glass of water. I drink tons of water. I mean, uh-huh. I count. Probably, probably like 130 ounces a day or so. Oh, wow. But like, you know, having this water enough to say, oh, I'm going to give myself a flush, you know, yeah. through the system. Having this food, whatever it is, you know, cooking it myself mostly. And just doing those activities to just appreciation for V. And, and I think that's what it is. And just like a good skin regimen, whatever it is. It's not about money, how much you spend mm-hmm. on it. Because my grandmother and my mother are advocates of Queen Helene yes. facial masks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talking about and yeah. cocoa butter yes. and Vaseline. Vaseline, honey. Vaseline. Yes. And, and those three things could probably get you through. Yeah. And some definitely. water. So it's, you know, it's just loving what you, you're doing and how you're treating yourself. Yeah. I, am I hoping, you know, and my grandmother is is a beautiful advocate of all of those things. And in the flesh, she is gorgeous. Uh-huh. And in her 85th year. Oh, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I told it because she's a queen and people yes. need to know she looks early 60s. Oh my goodness. Um, but I think those are things that I learned from her and I think that's what comes out and I, I, I would hope what people see on my face is joy. Yes, um, we do. We feel it. I know. Thank you. Yeah, a, just yeah. joy because, you know, that's the first thing we're going to have to wake up with in the morning. When you're alone, you got nothing but joy. Yes, yeah, so that's, that's what I hope to, to, to bring out to everyone. That's perfect. Oh my goodness. Well, Take that. Yes. Joy, joy, joy. Felicia, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Honored, honored. Let's keep the conversation going. Connect with us on social media using the handle onairtlr. And of course, if there's a lady you want us to interview, just let us know. We'll chat again soon in the The Ladies Room.